Chapter Eighteen of Mystery of a Handsome Cab by Fergus Hume, read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Sal Rollins tells all she knows, and indeed such was the case. Sal Rollins had made her appearance at the eleventh hour to the heartfelt thankfulness of Calton, who saw in her an angel from heaven sent to save the life of an innocent man. It was at the conclusion of the trial, and together with Madge, he had gone down to his office when his clerk entered with the telegram. The lawyer opened it hastily, and with a silent look of pleasure on his face, handed the telegram to Madge. She, womanlike, being more impulsive, gave a cry when she read it, and falling on her knees, thanked God for having heard her prayers, and saved her lover's life. "'Take me to her at once,' she implored the lawyer. She was anxious to hear from Sal Rollins' own lips the joyful words which would save Brian from a felon's death. "'No, my dear,' answered Calton, firmly but kindly, "'I can hardly take a lady to the place where Sal Rollins lives.' You will know all to-morrow, but meanwhile you must go home and get some sleep. "'And will you tell him?' she whispered, clasping her hands on Calton's arm. "'At once,' he answered promptly, "'and I will see Sal Rollins to-night, and hear what she has to say. Rest content, my dear,' he added, as he placed her in the carriage. "'He is perfectly safe now.' Brian heard the good news with a deep feeling of gratitude, knowing that his life was safe, and that he could still keep his secret. It was the natural revulsion of feeling after the unnatural life he had been leading since his arrest. When one is young and healthy, and has all the world before one, it is a terrible thing to contemplate a sudden death. And yet, in spite of his joy at being delivered from the hangman's rope, there mingled with his delight the horror of that secret which the dying woman had told him with such malignant joy. I had rather she died in silence than she should have bequeathed to me this legacy of sorrow. And the jailer, seeing his haggard face the next morning, muttered to himself, he were blessed if the swell weren't sorry he were safe. So, while Brian was pacing up and down his cell during the weary watches of the night, Madge, in her own room, was kneeling beside her bed and thanking God for his great mercy, and Calton, the good fairy of the two lovers, was hurrying towards the humble abode of Mrs. Rollins, familiarly known as Mother Guttersnipe. Kilsip was beside him, and they were talking eagerly about the providential appearance of the invaluable witness. "'What I like,' observed Kilsip, in his soft, purring tone, "'is the cell it will be for that Gorby. "'He was so certain that Mr. Fitzgerald was the man, "'and when he gets off to-morrow, Gorby will be in a rage.' "'Where were Sal the whole time?' asked Calton absently, "'not thinking of what the detective was saying. "'Ill,' answered Kilsip. "'After she left the Chinaman she went into the country, "'caught cold by falling into some river, "'and ended up by getting brain fever. "'Some people found her, took her in, and nursed her. When she got well, she came back to her grandmother's. "'But why didn't the people who nursed her tell her she was wanted? They must have seen the papers.' "'Not they,' retorted the detective. "'They knew nothing.' "'Vegetables,' muttered Calton, contemptuously. "'How can people be so ignorant? Why, all Australia has been ringing with the case. At any rate, it's money out of their pocket. Well?' "'There's nothing more to tell,' said Kilsip, "'except that she turned up to-night at five o'clock, looking more like a corpse than anything else.' When they entered the squalid, dingy passage that led to Mother Guttersnipe's abode, they saw a faint light streaming down the stair. As they climbed up, they could hear the rancorous voice of the old hag pouring forth alternate blessings and curses on her prodigal offspring, and the low tones of a girl's voice in reply. On entering the room, Calton saw that the sick woman, who had been lying in the corner on the occasion of his last visit, was gone. Mother Guttersnipe was seated in front of the deal-table, with a broken cup and her favourite bottle of spirits before her. She evidently intended to have a night of it, in order to celebrate Sal's return, and had commenced early, so as to lose no time. 
Sal herself was seated on a broken chair, and leaned wearily against the wall. She stood up as Calton and the detective entered, and they saw that she was a tall, slender woman of about twenty-five, not bad-looking, but with a pallid and haggard appearance from recent illness. She was clothed in a kind of tawdry blue dress, much soiled and torn, and had over her shoulders an old tartan shawl, which she drew tightly across her breast as the strangers entered. Her grandmother, who looked more weird and grotesquely horrible than ever, saluted Calton and the detective on their entrance with a shrill yell and a volley of choice language. "'Oh, you've come again, have ye?' she screeched, raising her skinny arms, to take my gal away from her poor old grandmother, as nursed her cusser, when her own mother had gone a gallivantin' with swells. I'll have the law of both of ye, so help me I will.' Kilsip paid no attention to this outbreak of the old fury, but turned to the girl. "'This is the gentleman who wants to speak to you,' he said gently, making the girl sit on the chair again, for indeed she looked too ill to stand. "'Just tell him what you told me.' "'About the Queen, sir?' said Sal, in a low, hoarse voice, fixing her wild eyes on Calton. "'If I'd only known you was a-wanting me, I'd a-come before.' "'Where were you?' asked Calton, in a pitying tone. "'New South Wales,' answered the girl with a shiver. "'The cove as I went with to Sydney left me. Yes, left me to die like a dog in the gutter.' "'Cuss him,' croaked the old woman, in a sympathetic manner, as she took a drink from the broken cup. "'I took up with a Chinaman,' went on her granddaughter wearily, "'and lived with him for a bit.' "'It's awful, ain't it?' she said with a dreary laugh, as she saw the disgust on the lawyer's face. "'But Chinamen ain't bad. They treat a poor girl a dash sight better, nor a white cove does. They don't beat the life out of em with their fists, nor drag em about on the floor by the air. "'Cuss em!' croaked Mother Guttersnipe drowsily. "'I'll tear their arts out!' "'I think I must have gone mad, I must,' said Sal, pushing her tangled hair off her forehead. "'For outer I left the China Cove, I went on walking and walking right into the bush,' a-trying to cool my head, for it felt on fire-like. I went into a river and got wet, and then I took my at and boots off and lay down on the grass, and then the rain comed on, and I walked to a house as was near, where they took me in. Oh, such kind people, she sobbed, stretching out her hands, that didn't badger me about my soul, but gave me good food to eat. I gave em a wrong name. I was so afraid of that army of finding me. Then I got ill and knowed nothing for weeks. They said I was off my chump. "'and then I came back here to see Gran. "'Cuss you,' said the old woman, "'but in such tender tones that it sounded like a blessing. "'And did the people who took you in "'never tell you anything about the murder?' "'Sal shook her head. "'No, it were a long way in the country, "'and they never knowed anything they didn't.' "'Ah, that explains it,' muttered Calton to himself. "'Come now,' he said cheerfully. "'Tell me all that happened on the night "'you brought Mr. Fitzgerald to see the Queen.' "'Who's he?' asked Sal, puzzled. "'Mr. Fitzgerald, the gentleman you brought the letter for to the Melbourne Club.' "'Oh, him,' said Sal, a sudden light breaking over her wan face. "'I never knowed his name before.' Calton nodded complacently. "'I knew you didn't,' he said. "'That's why you didn't ask for him at the club.' "'She never told me his name,' said Sal, jerking her head in the direction of the bed. "'Then whom did she ask you to bring to her?' asked Calton eagerly. "'No one,' replied the girl. "'This was the way of it.' On that night she was awful ill, and I sat beside her while Gran was asleep. "'I was drunk,' broke in Gran, fiercely. "'None of your lies. I was blazing drunk.' "'And she says to me, she says,' went on the girl, indifferent to her grandmother's interruption, "'get me some paper and pencil, and I'll write a note to him, I will.' So I goes and gets her what she asks for out of Gran's box. I "'Stole it, cuss you,' shrieked the old hag, shaking her fist. "'Hold your tongue,' said Kilsip in a peremptory tone. Mother Guttersnipe burst into a volley of oaths, and, having run rapidly through all she knew, subsided into a sulky silence. 
"'She wrote on it,' went on Sal, "'and then asked me to take it to the Melbourne Club and give it to him. "'Says I, "'Oo's him?' says she. "'It's on the letter. "'Don't you ask no questions, and you won't ear no lives. "'But give it to him at the club, and wait for him at the corner of Bork and Russell Street.' "'So I goes, and gives it to a cove at the club, "'and then he comes along, and says he, "'Take me to her,' and I took him. "'And what like was the gentleman?' "'Oh, weary good-looking,' said Sal. "'Weary tall, with yellow hair and moustache. "'He had party clothes on, and a masher coat, and a soft hat.' "'That's Fitzgerald, right enough,' murdered Calton. "'And what did he do when he came?' "'He goes right up to her, and she says, "'Are you he?' "'And he says, "'I am.' "'Then says she, "'Do you know what I'm a-going to tell you?' "'And he says, "'No.' "'Then says he, "'It's about her,' and says he, looking very white, "'How dare you have her name on your vile lips?' "'And she gets up and screeches, "'Turn that gal out, and I'll tell you.' "'And he takes me by the arm, and says he, "'Ear, get out,' and I gets out, and that's all I knows.' "'And how long was he with her?' asked Calton, "'who had been listening attentively. "'About half an hour,' answered Sal. "'I takes him back to Russell Street about twenty-five minutes to two, "'cause I looked at the clock on the post-office, "'and he gives me a sob, and then he goes a-tearin' up the street like anything. "'Take him about twenty minutes to walk to East Melbourne,' said Calton to himself. "'So he must have got in at the time Mrs. Sampson said. "'He was in with the Queen the whole time, I suppose?' he asked, looking keenly at Sal. "'I was at that door,' said Sal, pointing to it, "'and he couldn't have got out unless I'd seen him.' "'Oh, it's all right,' said Calton, nodding to Kilsip. "'There won't be any difficulty in proving an alibi.' "'But I say,' he said, turning to Sal, "'what were they talking about?' "'I don't know,' answered Sal. "'I was at the door, and they talks that quiet I couldn't hear em. "'Then he sings out, "'My God, it's too horrible!' "'And I hear her laughing like to bust, "'and then he comes to me and says, quite wild-like, "'Take me out of this hell,' and I took him. "'And when you came back, she was dead.' "'Dead? As a blessed door-nail,' said Sal cheerfully. "'And I never knowed I was in the room with a corpse,' "'wailed Mother Guttersnipe, waking up. "'Cuss her, she was always a-doing contrary things.' "'How do you know?' said Calton sharply, as he rose to go. "'I knowed her longer nor you,' croaked the old woman, fixing one evil eye on the lawyer. "'And I know what you'd like to know. But you shan't, you shan't.' Calton turned from her with a shrug of his shoulders. "'You will come to the court to-morrow with Mr. Kilsip,' he said to Sal, "'and tell what you have just now told me.' "'Sal truce, help me,' said Sal eagerly. "'He was here all the time.' Calton stepped towards the door, followed by the detective, when Mother Guttersnipe rose. "'Where's the money for finding her?' she screeched, pointing one skinny finger at Sal. "'Well, considering the girl found herself,' said Calton dryly, "'the money is in the bank, and will remain there.' "'And I'm to be done out of my hard-earned tins, to help me?' howled the old fury. "'Cuss you! I'll have the law of you, and get you put in quad.' "'You'll go there yourself if you don't take care,' said Kilsip, in his soft, purring tones. "'Yeah!' shrieked Mother Guttersnipe, snapping her fingers at him. "'What do I care about your quad?' "'Ain't I been in Pentrig, and it ain't hurt me, as it? I'm as lively as a gal, I am.' And the old fury, to prove the truth of her words, danced a kind of war-dance in front of Mr. Calton, snapping her fingers and yelling out curses as an accompaniment to her ballet. Her luxurious white hair streamed out during her gyrations, and with her grotesque appearance in the faint light of the candle, she presented a gruesome spectacle. Calton remembered the tales he had heard of the women of Paris at the Revolution, and the way they danced La Carmagnole. Mother Guttersnipe would have been in her element in that sea of blood and turbulence, he thought. But he merely shrugged his shoulders and walked out of the room, as with a final curse, delivered in a hoarse voice, Mother Guttersnipe sank exhausted on the floor and yelled for gin. End of chapter 18 Read by Sibella Denton For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org